0: Good morning.
1: You're just in time.
0: Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement.
2: Let's start our day
1: together.
0: Good morning. Come on in and pull up a chair. I'm Dave Warsborn.
1: And I'm Amanda Miller. And we are ecstatic to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show.
0: Today is the Feast of the North American Martyrs, and this hour we'll be chatting about conversion with our good friends Liz Christie and Father Adam Streitenberger. Good morning, Amanda.
1: Good morning.
0: Would you start us with a prayer?
1: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we, we praise you and we thank you for another day. Thank you for your goodness and for all your blessings. We open our hearts to you this day asking for greater faith, asking for an abundance of um, just conversion, greater conversion to you, greater faith, um, a greater desire for you, a greater desire to know you and to love you and to live that out day by day.
3: Mm.
1: We even offer all of our, our sufferings that come in the form of crosses that you give us so that we could be more converted and more like you day by day. Help us to have the courage to offer those up. And we we pray all this through the intercession of Mary and in the name of Jesus, amen.
0: Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How is Birmingham?
1: Oh, it's so great. Yesterday we had a beautiful day at the shrine. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, we were blessed with a beautiful day and we had adoration. I actually, I didn't realize that it was a perpetual adoration chapel. Mm. (laughs) so so when I walked in you know I genuflected and I started to walk to find my pew and I was taking in the whole church and then I realized Jesus was already exposed and it's this giant tabernacle at the top um so I was blown away it was so beautiful
0: (laughs) I love the drive in to the shrine yeah you know through Hansville and then you make that turn and the you know, the, well, first of all, I mean all the bed and breakfasts and all the the Catholic homes that are on the way into the shrine. Then you make the turn onto the long driveway and kind of come around the corner and you see the shrine in in all of its beauty.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely
0: mm-hmm. gorgeous. Yeah. Did uh, did uh, did they move? Did they? Uh, so you had the, the monstrance, which is also, I mean, a, a very large monstrance.
1: Yes. Yes, so exquisite. I I prayed for all of our friends' intentions there at Adoration, but then also I had the opportunity. I, I actually went at a different time in the schedule, and I had the opportunity to be at Mother Angelica's tomb, so it was all by myself. So I just stayed there for a while asking for intercession and lifting all of our prayers up through her intercession as well. So, yeah, it was a beautiful day. They also have the... We had an opportunity to visit with the Cloistered Sisters there. Oh, you did? Yeah. Excellent. So was fun. I, my question to the sisters was, do the sisters have any hands still in EWTN? And sister responded, well, just prayer. And immediately I was like, sister, don't say just, uh, because I took Bill, our executive director's words, and I really like how he explained it. He's like, they are the boiler room to all all that we do. And really, truly, they are. I feel like we're all supported by, by their prayers to continue what Mother Angelica started.
0: So. Did, did you make uh, any Ohio connections with the sisters? There's a few Ohioans in the mix.
1: I didn't, but I hear that Bill did. Yeah. So, yeah. So I that will... was an excellent time.
0: A couple years, a couple years ago, it's a, a a few years ago now. I was heading into St. Catharines, I think, for like their eight thirty mass, and there were a couple sisters in the parking lot. And we kind of walked in. I'm looking at their habits. I'm like, "Are you are you from Birmingham?" And, and they were. They were in Columbus. One of their sisters was in a nursing home here. I think she had just turned a hundred and uh, we're spending time with her, and uh, uh, the sister passed away not too long after that, but they, they were able to leave the cloister and come up and mm. spend uh, have a birthday party uh, oh, together. Oh, that's sweet, And that's then sweet. Uh, And then when we were down at a, a conference uh, a year or two later, we were able to see them again, so it was mm. really, really nice. They, yeah. they pray for EWTN and for all the affiliates without ceasing.
1: Yeah. And I had the opportunity to visit the cross that you had suggested. I'm so glad you even told me about it because it's often a portico kind of hidden. And so it was a beautiful time of kind of hidden prayer before our Lord crucifix, um, just really showing all the wounds of the passion. And so it's powerful and sorrowful. And yeah, so if any of our friends get the opportunity to go visit the Shrine of the Blessed Sacrament, recommended.
0: Highly recommended. Father Adam Streitenberger and Liz Chris here are with us in the cafe. Good morning. Morning.
4: Good morning. Great Good morning, to have Father. you with us.
0: Morning. Amanda's in Birmingham.
5: Yes. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I gathered that. <laughs> she, I didn't see her here, so and yet, you, and yet we hear
0: her. Yeah. <laughs> So today is the Feast of the North American Martyrs, Saints John de Brabouf, Isaac Jogue, and Companions. And in the Magnificat, there's a a really nice reflection from uh, Father Donald Haggerty in New York on making a link, actually, between uh, the uh, Jesuits and having a second conversion. And... Is a sentence a life may be committed and devout and externally dutiful, but it still awaits a deeper realization of an entire offering of itself as an utterly personal act before God. In the setting of the 1600s, the Jesuit uh, and Jesuit missionary endeavors, his uh, father Lamont may have pointed to a readiness to face martyrdom. As a test for crossing this threshold of the second conversion, and in fact, the Jesuit martyrs of North America, as a group, did offer themselves to martyrdom prior to their deaths in upstate New York and Canada. Th- theirs is a fascinating story. Uh, ha- have you read much about the North American martyrs?
5: Yeah, a little bit. Actually, you know, there, you know, there is there's a group of um, of of people, a special type of people. Who try to compare the martyrdoms to see who suffered the most, and some who who uh, are wow. these people they it's 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 a special type of nerd um, <laughs> oh. but um they there are many people that I know in that group, you know these nerds who compare martyrdoms who say that the North American martyrs actually suffered more than any other martyrs wow, yeah it one of them. I mean, they, they bit, yeah. they ripped their fingernails off and then bit the tips of their fingernails off. And then they, you know, I mean, they they were brutal, 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 brutal
0: um, martyrdom. So. Well, I think one of them suffered, survived, you know, was tortured and survived, went back to France. I, that was
5: Isaac Jogues Isaac Jokes. yeah, And then
0: returned. Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm. And they had already bitten off a couple of his fingers, like the fingers that he had to use for mass—the canonical digits they call mm. them. So he um, had to get special permission to get, from the Vatican, right? Yeah, to, to say mass. Yeah, because he didn't have the fingers that he needed to hold the host and the chalice. Yeah. Um. And but yeah, and then he went back. So, yeah, I, I, you know, it's it. It was pretty brutal what they faced.
0: And the nerds would agree.
5: That that special type of nerds that compare martyrdoms, you know.
0: <laughs> we talk about ongoing conversion. Now, Father, I don't know if we've ever talked really about your conversion. in well, in, in, the, in the cafe. Maybe it hasn't happened yet.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. We'll pray for you. Well, you. Well, I think that the notion of of conversion is. You know, so sometimes we say we you know, I distinguish kind of the epic an epic conversion, you know, mm-hmm. which you know, you could also use I mean, I think in sometimes we use the word encounter, which is another way of viewing a similar event, in that an encounter is when Christ breaks into my life and it and it moves me to live in a different way. Conversion is maybe from the perspective of the subject that I have I have come to know Christ, and so I I I see things differently, or I live in a new way now.
0: Um, mm-hmm. So that, th- so the encounter leads to conversion. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
5: Um, so we can talk about a, a sort of what I call kind of epic, you know, encounters or epic convert, you know, kind of those encounters and that people have in their life where they've like it, Christ really broke into their life. And they li- they 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 receive sort of the grace to live in a new way and, and, and kind of a more radical way, you know, or a radical change mm-hmm. um, in their life. But the notion, but the, uh, but the um, the encounter experience and with it the conversion experience is something, you know, it's not just those epic experiences. It really is every day or every moment is the opportunity that and um, and in that sense we are always undergoing conversion you Mm -hmm. know we see things in a new way you know and and we live in a deeper and in a a mature way.
0: In in Liz and, and Father in your work at the diocese so you're really intentional about creating places both for encounter and then for that ongoing conversion,
4: yeah, definitely,
5: yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I, you know, I, I think now I'm not trying to distract us from my conversion story, and uh-huh. we can we can get to that later. So I don't I don't want to, you know, like I don't I don't want you to think that that was a sophisticated dodge. It, it, it was a sophisticated dodge, but,
0: <laughs> but but I wasn't but, gonna let it go. But yeah,
5: but we well, we can well we can talk about that. Um, you know, I'm glad to share it, but I think to this point is, um, you know, the new of We talk about the new evangelization. We see, you know, people in the pews. Obviously, you know, like, well, you know, did they really need conversion when we reduce conversion to just something epic, you know, like that? Mm. Well, but but the reality. I mean, the reality is is that. We we have to provide even if you're going to mass every day, right? You you need an ongoing conversion experience. experience you know, and conversion has to be a constant part of our life. You know the the Greek word metanoia. We use metanoia. You know, it's this sort of it's a constant process. So I think in Liz and I, you know, as you know, in the approach. Of the diocese, you know, you know, you could say the diocese um, to evangelization, but it's really the approach of the church is we have to provide opportunities for people, even people who, you know, go to daily mass to to come to know Christ and to respond by living in a new way, you know, and and in a more radical way if we you mm-hmm. know, want to say that.
4: Yeah, and that's a lot of our work with the parishes is just equipping the pastors and the staff and the leaders at the parish to help create opportunities for people in the pews or people outside of the church who might come in um, and just be ready to kind of receive people and help them continue with their conversion um, through whatever means. I mean, because it's the Holy Spirit, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that's doing this in the hearts of people, um, but we can set up sort of space for that and, and make room for that through community and mass and worship and sacraments and all of those things.
5: Um, so yeah, that's and I, the I think, goal. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Amanda.
1: <laughs> that's okay. I, I think Liz, that it's important that you said, you know, it's it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was actually kind of reading the catechism on this. And in 162, it starts off with faith is an entirely free gift that God makes to man. And so this idea of remembering that actually it is something that we need to, to ask for. To, it, actually, the catechism goes on to say we must beg for it, to, mm. for the Lord to increase our faith and to, to help us with that conversion because it is a gift from God.
4: Yeah, and that's a really great point because sometimes like that just needs to be pointed out to people. Yeah, It's like the Lord is calling them and they're oblivious or distracted or, you know, um, and sometimes through those big, big encounter moments where the Lord really breaks in, it's like, oh, the Lord is doing something. But even in those moments, there has to be space for them to share and talk about it, to kind of say, was I crazy or did this just happen? And making space for that. Um, in kind of a parish community helps people process and and realize and see like no that's the lord working in my life mm. um yeah and sometimes it takes someone else sharing their story or just pointing that out um
5: yeah and uh, you know i think i think one aspect of convert so when we think of conversion we think of it's turning from sin um and repentance and the sacrament of confession and all that and that is true you know But I I would propose that we look at conversion as this is, um, I see things or live things, you know, live life in a new way. Um, And it might be that I recognize that I have acted in an inappropriate way, you know, that is not godly, Mm -hmm. you know? And so therefore, I change my behavior. I. You know, I'm sorry for that. I I reject that, you know, and I I begin to live in a new way. But it also might be seeing things in a new way. And that's why, you know, so for instance, I um, was—so I'll tell you a little conversion story. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, I um, had—we had our um, fall retreat for Buckeye Catholic. And it was the focus missionaries um, and the SPO missionaries kind of helped to organize it. But it was a retreat that Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students kind of has sort of, you know, a package. It's called The Father's House is, is the title, and it kind of focuses on God the Father and, you know, and all of that. And, you know, I had to, you know, do things for it because I'm the chaplain, you know, and, you know, there are things there. So I—but um, they gave me—this um, was September 30th—they gave me the morning off. Because it was a very important day, it was the, opening. Deer, season. It was the opening <laughs> deer season. So they, they intentionally gave me the morning off. So you know, I was in the I was in the deer stand, and um, it was very foggy that morning, like to the point where it was raining. Mm. And my rangefinder, if you know, if you're familiar, so you have to have a rangefinder to find out where the deer is, so that you know accurately where to shoot it. It was so foggy that the rangefinder wouldn't work cuz it requires light to get into the thing. So I said well I said Lord it this does not look like it's going to be a successful hunting day. I said so why don't we just talk about you know this retreat, you know, like mm. what does it mean for you to be my father? You know, nice. And he said well let's be, he, this is what the Lord kind of internally kind of said to me. He said well, let's begin, the Lord said to me, He said, let's begin with this whole, um, this whole notion that you have that you can control the world. And I said, okay, you know, like, you know, like, I said, let's just start there. I said, so I said, to, I said, well, you know, okay, well, let's start living in a new way. And I just sat there, and, uh, you know, a little bit later, two does came by. And um, of course, I can't range them in, but they came right to where I definitively knew was the 20 yard mark. Mm-hmm. And so I hit this doe. And so I go and I walk over um, and I find the bolt, the arrow that went through it, mm-hmm. went through her. Um, but I couldn't find the blood trail. Now, this is highly graphic. I hope the, you know, the F. FCC doesn't shut you down or anything for this story. I don't know, you know. But um I I couldn't find the blood trail and all the leaves were bright red because they were changing mm. and that was the color that they were changing to. And I was like, "Lord, you know, I think we lost this deer. Like I don't think we're going to find it." And then all of a sudden I see it, the trail, mm-hmm. the blood trail, and I find the deer. Now, you might think, you know, this is sort of crazy. But, and, you know, I've been a priest for, I don't know, 17 years now. I, I've lost count, you know? And I've, you know, I had my kind of conversion, exp- big conversion experience um, in high school. Um, but yet, nonetheless, I was able to experience that morning um, God as my father in a way that I had not experienced before. Um, and... You know, we, you think like this retreat, this Father's House retreat, like, yeah, God's my Father. I know that. I've, I've ex- certainly experienced that. And maybe people in the pews, people that come to daily Mass, you know, like the whole gospel, the basic message of Christianity. I've heard that a million times. Mm-hmm. But there is always the opportunity for me to see it and understand it more deeply. And that, I think, is conversion. Anyone can stop and, and be regretful of a mortal sin. That's actually pretty, the, the easy part of conversion. The more difficult part, but actually the, I think even the most beautiful part, is when we get a deeper understanding of a very basic truth
0: that the Lord has for us. Father Adam Streitenberger and Liz Christie in the cafe with Dave and Amanda. We, we have to make time... Prayer is foundational, right? You, you, you had that conversation with the mm-hmm. Father. I, I, my experience with with uh, participating in parish programs and men's small groups and all this is it, it stays at the not only the intellectual level, but also at the community level or the small group level. And I don't take it back to prayer, you know. I, the the catechesis or that that knowledge um, kind of stays with the group, and unless you bring it into into your personal prayer, um, you're not you're not going to have that conversion.
5: Yeah, I I mean daily prayer is absolutely necessary. I mean we have to talk to the Lord every day. You know we have to make that time for Him every day. Um, I here's, here's an interesting thing. I don't know uh, where this is going to take us, but let me, let me share another kind of reflection. So you say, you know, like unless it goes from, you know, like if it's just in our head, you know, mm-hmm. just an intellectual thing. Well, I, I kind of push back on it. So it, it's interesting. I w- had a conversation the other day with someone who um, is experiencing depression. And, and it's probably clinical depression. You know, mm-hmm. they probably need to be, you know, to be medicated for it and everything like that. And they had the same thing. Like, you know, like, I'm convicted of these truths of the faith, but I don't feel them.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, you know, like, to be human is to be rational. Right. It's to be free and volitional, which means we have freedom. It's also to have feelings and passions, but but the Christian experience does not have to be just one way or the other. It's both. Well, and, and or it could be mainly one. Okay. You know, like, so in a case of depression, you know, like where you don't feel anything, you're in this darkness, that intellectual knowledge that God is my Father is good,
0: mm-hmm.
5: and it keeps me going, you know, and it allows me... To get back onto track to show up for prayer and to be there because most of the time in prayer my feelings aren't necessarily going to be engaged you know Mm. but if i know that i'm here and the lord's there because i'm in front of the blessed sacrament maybe
0: um the lord is still there and still at work maybe a better way for me to to have said it would be it's informational Mm -hmm. rather than formational i mean i've heard i think monsignor morris used to use that that term a lot so so i'm i I gather information i keep on consuming informational but it doesn't it doesn't change me
5: well and and i think and probably liz can talk a lot about this is there are what i call um program junkies Mm -hmm. you know which is you know they 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 just go to every single thing that the parish offers, mm-hmm. you know? And they they want to learn as much as possible. And that, you know, like, I mean, there's some good—like I said, we need to know what the Church teaches, and we, Absolutely. Need, you know, we need to be formed. But it is not enough to know everything. And that, I would say, it's—the whole human person has to be engaged. But also, um, it has to be— um, something that really kind of consumes our life. We can't compartmentalize it. Um, But maybe Liz can talk a little bit more about um, program junkies and that kind of approach.
4: (laughs) And I think Dave, what you're talking about too, it's that internal conversion of heart. Yeah. You can learn or you can participate and people come to programs for all different reasons. Sometimes it's like, okay, socially I need to be around people in my like-minded community and they come for that. Um, some people come because you know they they get a high from whatever the program's offering, um, and and you know lots of different reasons people will come for things. But um, when you're truly successful in it, is when you get to the point of that conversion of heart. And so you do have to take you know what you're what you're consuming and take time with that in prayer before the Lord. And Lord, what do you want me to do with this? What do do I need to change in my life because of this thing that I've learned? Um, And that's when you can find success, you know, for people coming to programs like that.
5: And I would think, you know, there's that um, line which is very confusing in the Gospels where Jesus chastises the people because he's like, you know, like he quotes this obscure past, you know, like, you know, like I you know, I played you a dirge and, you know, you you didn't, and, and I, you know, like, and you're like, what the heck? And
1: but, you didn't dance. And you yeah. did. Yeah.
5: And it's, but I think the, the, sometimes we just want the Lord to entertain us. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's, oh, you know, um, oh, I look what I've learned or right. look at all these wonderful insights I've got. Now that can happen in programs and retreats and it can happen in our daily prayer and it can happen in the experience or you know like i really want a nice high off of this and i really want my emotions you know and and if that's if that's what we kind of are looking for then i think are we really looking for the lord um which is at the heart of conversion is is that i am now following the lord you know not following an emotion or following um some you know sort of interesting things that i can learn you know whatever whatever entertainment i'm looking for it, it reminds me and a very important book um in my life but i and i also i think probably needs to be read a little bit more by some a lot of people is um sober intoxication by cantalamesa because um, there there's a lot of um, spiritualities out there that are really intense about emotion and feelings and and getting that high mm-hmm. but what we what we have to do is to get to a point of maturity where there's a nice stable relationship with the Lord. We're aware of his presence but we're not we're not seeking emotional highs nor are we seeking kind of spectacular stuff. You know that it's going to make you know go,
0: is going to entertain us. And for our friends who don't know, that's Rainero Cantalamessa, cardinal now, yeah, uh, Franciscan priest. He's been the papal preacher all the way back to John Paul II. So he's the one that preaches the mm-hmm. retreats that the popes attend. Yeah. So.
4: Yeah, and I think that's the that's the deeper level, like at the soul, like um, you know, and 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 when you have that more maturity in your faith that takes you through the highs and lows of life better. I mean that's what sustains you. Like, okay, things are falling apart around me, but I'm peaceful and I have hope because I know the Lord. Or oh, I'm having the best day ever and okay, thank you Lord for this, you know. And so you can you can be present with the Lord through through all the various things that life may throw at you.
5: Yeah, it's I mean, it's a marathon. But, you know, you, can, you, you should enjoy the marathon, and that's what I think these conversion moments are, is, you know, I, I can come to a deeper understanding of the Lord, and I can see things in a new way, um, and, and every day is
0: this opportunity. Are you familiar with uh, Brother Lawrence's practice, The Presence of God? No, I'm not. Oh, he's he was uh lived in the 1600s. He was a Carmelite brother. And when I was first attracted I probably read it 10 years ago or so, but it wasn't until COVID that uh, I picked it up and and spent more time with it and practicing the presence of God. And it was the practicing actually that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's a story it's letters that he wrote. To different people and then he has some spiritual maxims in there but what really caught me at the beginning is he said the first 10 years that he was really trying to practice this continual living in the presence of God he said it was awful I mean the 10 years and I'm thinking 10 years and and one of the things I really struggle with is impatience. I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, I I I want this other book that tells me how to do it in 30 days or, or you mm-hmm. know or, or, or 40 days. But he admits it. Ten years he struggled just making progress, and then for the next 30 years he really settled into it. So a 40 year span of his life, and and there's one. So since that time, since COVID, i I've, I've read it a few times, and there's. One thing I come back to a lot, this, uh, from one of his letters, sometimes I consider myself as a stone before a sculptor who is making a statue. I present myself to God, and I desire him to make his perfect image in my soul and make me entirely like himself. And it reminded me also of that passage from Jeremiah, right, the, the, uh, the clay in the, in the potter's hands. And when I, when I think to make that my prayer as just being, you know, a slab of marble or something in front of the Lord, that, that it's going to take some time to, to let him work.
5: Yeah, I would add, you know, uh, St. Louis de Montfort talks about in True Devotion that, you know, there are two ways to make a statue— the first is to, to sculpt it, um, which is very difficult and long, you know, and you might chip. The second way is to um, do like a kind of a resin method where you mm. you get it and you pour it into a mold, which is a whole lot easier. But see, I think when we use this image of, of statue, ma- you know, like carving, yeah. who is wielding the chisel and the hammer it is not me it is the lord you know and and that's the other thing like convert you know like this is sort of my hot take on you know the spiritual doctors of the churches you know i don't need to progress in the spiritual life i just need to be close to the lord Mm. and and it's not i'm not comparing myself to Teresa of avila or to anyone else i'm just staying in the sight of my, of the Lord. And yeah, maybe someone has climbed some huge mountain of the spiritual life. I don't care. It's not my life, you know? Right. What my life is, is with the Lord. And, you know, in the end of the day, I also have to see this as, you know, sin, virtue, all of these things. The primary person who's going to free me of sin and help me to grow in virtue is the lord and if i stay close to him in a life of prayer and i avoid the near occasion of sin and 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 just kind of be open to to his work he will get me to precisely where he wants me to be you know i think sometimes we can look at the spiritual life from i have a plan of where i need to be in the spiritual life well we don't have any plans, and I think detaching ourselves from any possible plan is the best way to live, you know, and to be free, and that includes the spiritual life. I don't have an agenda, Lord, you know, like, if you want me to be a saint, have at it,
0: Yeah, you know, Yeah, and you, I'll you do and I work. say yes, yeah. you know. Mm. The phrase, cooperate with grace... what does that cooperation really entail? I mean, it, it, it it says that there's effort on our part, obviously, Mm -hmm. but how do you actually put the two together? Where does, you know what I'm getting at? So, so you have, obviously you're driven by grace or, um, directed by grace. And is that just where your effort flows from there? And how do you know which comes first? And, Yeah, Is it my effort, or or is it God's direction?
5: Yeah, I think it's—so, first of all, it's God's initiative. So, you know, He does it—He makes me aware of where I need to grow. He gives me the grace by which I can grow. What I have to do is to say yes to that, but also to um, align my will with His, which means that I have to— make choices and make decisions that get that cooperate with that grace or that work in tandem with that grace. So, for, you know, so for instance, um, someone might be, you know, struggling with a particular sin, you know, um, they're only going to be free from that particular sin because of the Lord's grace and initiative. But what they have to do is to work and cooperate with that grace. Mm-hmm. So they need to make the steps that they need to make to avoid the near occasion of sin, to get up and get back to confession, to you know whatever effort looks like. You know, mm-hmm. part of that is you know part of that is is um, making you know kind of very tough decisions to cut things out of our life. You know. Um, and the Lord gives us the grace to do that, you know? If we fall, in a, you know, part of that, the Lord permits us to fall. Mm-hmm. But what part of our response has to be, what do I learn? Why did the Lord permit me to fall? I need to learn the lessons I need to learn. The greatest of these lessons is I need to depend on Him, you know? And that's why, you know, you see some people in the midst of of sins, that they seem to have absolutely no ability to resist. Um, I think the Lord permits people to fall into those primarily. I mean, He probably has—well, He has infinite reasons for it, but one of those reasons is, do we realize how dependent we are, how powerless we actually are in this world, and how dependent we are upon Him? And when one faces something which um, seems to overwhelm them, that that's the first lesson we have to learn. So I think um, convert, you know, if we want to conversion um, happens primarily because of the Lord's grace. you know, It happens because of the it's Lord's a gift. grace. Yeah. Um, but but we also, you know, we have to align our will to that grace um
0: beautiful father adam streitenberger and liz christie father i know you need to head downtown for yes. a meeting yes congratulations thank you i know you love meetings <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> can you leave us with your blessing sure the lord be with you and with your spirit and may
5: almighty god bless you the father the son and the holy spirit
0: amen, amen. god bless you father thanks, thanks for being father. here with us yep. We're going to refill our mugs and come back in a couple minutes, and we're going to talk with Liz about the upcoming Evangelization Summit. Stay with us.
3: This is Bill Messerle, the Executive Director for St. Gabriel Radio, your local Catholic radio station. As the manager of the station, I get to see how each of us in our local Catholic community is part of St. Gabriel Radio's mission of proclaiming faithful Catholic teaching through our radio signal on AM 820 in Central Ohio, FM 88.3 in Scioto County, and digitally through smart speakers in our website and our smartphone app. We are in this together. The Board of Directors and our entire team offer our sincere gratitude to you, our listening family, who support local Catholic radio with your prayers and financial support. We would especially like to thank our sustaining members, business supporters and leadership givers who keep this station on the air. This is truly a movement of God and together we're making a difference in the eternal lives of many. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you and be gracious to you and give you his peace.
2: Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of the virtue of magnanimity is seen in St. Paul Miki. He lived magnanimity heroically by confidently seeking to do great things for God despite persecution. Paul was a convert and Jesuit seminarian who was captured by the Japanese government and sentenced to death. At his crucifixion, Paul practiced magnanimity by asking God to forgive his captors. Let us ask St. Paul Miki to pray for us, that we may grow in magnanimity. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. Welcome
1: back to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller.
0: I'm Dave Orsborn. And our friend Liz Christie is here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. So Liz, yeah, what did you think of uh, the conversation so far on conversion?
4: Yeah, um, th- the one thing that kind of came to mind is this is how I start my day. I wake up and, you know, I open my eyes. Lord, I love you. What are we going to do today? What are we going to do today? You know, and, and of course it's, well, I'll fulfill all the commitments that I've, you know, already committed to and, and the obvious things, but then, um, being open to kind of the prompting of the Lord, like uh, through prayer, I feel like you want me to do these things. So I'm going to do these things. And if you don't want me to do these things, take them off the plate, you know, like take these things out of my way and show me what you do want me to do instead. Um, And then every day is kind of like an exciting adventure because you don't have to be in control of it. You don't have to make plans, which is hard to do because we like to make plans. We like to control, Um, you know, when you were saying um, when you were sharing about, you know, the 10 years of of that conversion process and um, how painful that is. But it's because we're looking for a desired result or we're making the plan of what we think it should be. So it's painful when we're trying to control it too much. But when we trust right. and surrender and kind of give that up, it's not painful. It's beautiful.
1: You know, this idea of surrender is what I think I'm pulling out of all the stories mm-hmm. that I've been hearing throughout our conversation. And even to father's original story about, you know, wanting to go deer hunting and it just not working. So surrendering to, okay, Father, what else do you want to do today? And having that whole conversation and how it brought him to greater conversion. And then even Liz, what you're sharing is this idea of giving your day to the Lord and asking him, well, well what do you want to do today? And if it ends up not turning out the way that maybe you had thought it would, okay, surrendering and rerouting. And
3: mm-hmm.
1: and even I'm sure in... Um, the book that you read, Dave, this idea of being in the presence of God, I really do believe has it's part of its center in this conversion of daily surrender
0: Uh, on every aspect of our life. And, you know, St. Teresa, the little flower talks very much about, you know, the, the little things and brother Lawrence gets in just, yeah, as he's washing um, pots and pans for the community and going about his day and, and on that 10 years too there was probably a lot of growth that mm-hmm. was happening there and and it was more about I think brother's impatience with himself rather mm-hmm. than really seeing how how great God is working Liz in in your prayer what are we going to do today you know help me to to follow you it's so much different from uh, when I start my prayer and you know, thank you, Lord, for this day. It's, it's such a blessing. I, I look forward to s- spending this day with you. Here's my calendar, <laughs> you know, and this this is what I have lined up. And you know, um, yeah, you know, sometimes
4: I'll, I'll say, anoint my schedule, Lord. <laughs> there are too many things, so you pick and I'll I'll follow. But um, but yeah, I. I think um, really interesting. Back to Father Adam's story, just one more time. Um, you know, when we talk about like personal encounter with Christ, that was very much his personal encounter with Christ. Like, if the Lord came to me and it was related to deer, that that doesn't speak to me in that way. But for, for Father Adam, like killing a deer, like uh, Lord, no, I'm not. This isn't my thing with you. But but for Father Adam, like that, that was his thing, right? That and he surrendered. Mm-hmm. His he realized like oh. And, and sometimes the Lord allows us to get to the point of like, oh my gosh, I can't do any of my plans. Fine. Now what? You know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and he's there in the now what, because he's there all the time. But sometimes we have to get to the now what before we can really allow the Lord in and allow that space. Um, but I think it was really beautiful the way, you know, he kind of shared how he did that and then how the Lord responded to him. And he got the deer, you know? So, um, in a way, you know, like that, that means something to him. He walked away from that with mm-hmm. like, Oh, the Lord, the Lord was with me today. I felt that in a special way. So, um, making yeah, space. When, yeah.
1: <laughs> Actually when he was sharing, I, the same thing was, I was like, wow, the Lord talks to us very differently. <laughs> there is a, a language he has for each one of our
2: hearts. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, and, and then when he talked about, uh, the, this, Conversion in in relation to sin and how there God permits us to maybe fall continually until we learn that lesson, and I I think again it gets to this idea of um, I I like how he took that opportunity instead of like grasping at this idea of okay next time I do this particular sin I'm I'm gonna try harder and I'm gonna work harder and you know, but turning it to this idea of okay Lord you're you're permitting this for a reason. What is it that I need to learn in this? And surrendering that to him and like Lord, you you have the ability and the grace to help me through this. What do I need to learn? How can I surrender this to you? Um and I think that's yeah, just a huge part of conversion is giving, letting go of that grasping and giving it to him.
4: Yeah, definitely. I um uh one of our New, new faces to the diocese, Dr. Marlon Dellatore, who you, you know, you have him here on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, your Tuesday friend, mm-hmm. but he says something that's been really impactful. He says, um, Lord, I love you more than I love my sin. Mm. Lord, I love you more than I love my sin. And that is like a phrase that I've kind of tucked away in my brain. And so in the moment where I feel tempted to a certain sin, I'll say that. And it immediately cuts off even the desire for that sin. Um, yeah. And so I think that's just like, like key phrases like that, you know, or sometimes like, you know, you go to confession and the priest will tell you something and they'll say, well, think about our blessed mother instead Mm -hmm. of your sin or, you know, something to put in place Mm -hmm. of like, okay, the sin is getting in my way. What's the thing I'm going to use from the Lord that I can block that with, um, and, and move away from the sin and closer to the Lord. And of course, you know, we have the sacrament, um, if we need to, if we do fall, but, but there are sort of safety nets we can kind of have in place ahead of time, um, to think about in those moments.
0: I was praying over a passage from Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before, bef- yeah, is set before us, the race that is set before us.
4: Yeah. The race, the marathon, as Father Adam said. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. So coming up November 11th, it's a Saturday, we have the third? Yes. Third annual Evangelization Ev- Summit.
4: Yes, the Evangelization Leadership Summit. So um, this was, it initially started as a grassroots effort from some of our just leaders throughout the diocese and then um, as a way to equip people for the uh, mission of evangelization. And, um, and then as I started my role in the diocese, I kind of took the conference with me. So then last year um, we repeated, and then, and, and then this will be the third year. So we're really excited. Um, November 11th, it's going to be at Ohio Dominican, and we are opening registration um, for anyone who might want to attend. And you can register by going to dioceseofcolumbus.org slash summit. S U M M I T, diocese of Columbus.org slash summit. Um, but we've got a really exciting lineup. So we have Bishop Fernandez, who will be with us in the morning. We'll start with Mass with him, and then he'll be our first keynote of the day. Dr. Delatore will follow him. So, so the bishop will kind of give the um, here are the evangelization initiatives for our diocese now. And mm. he spoke last year. It was amazing. And so we're excited to hear him again and just kind of as our shepherd as our you know, shepherd of our diocese, like here's what the Lord wants of our diocese and here's how we do that. And then Dr. Della will follow him as our senior director for evangelization um, with kind of the more specifics of, it looks like this, this is how we carry this out. And then um, we will then move to breakout sessions. We have a lot of amazing speakers coming for the breakout sessions. And then we come back in the afternoon and we will have Father John Ricardo with us who will be giving the afternoon keynote. Um, and then Tim Glemkowski from the National Eucharistic Revival will follow him um, to talk about revival in our parishes. And then we'll end with adoration at the end of the day. So it is going to be a packed, packed schedule. Um, but we're excited to be doing this again and and to have so many great people with us. So
0: so exciting to have Father Ricardo mm-hmm. back in Columbus. Mm-hmm. I know he led a priest retreat uh A week or so ago, he
4: did. Yes,
0: I've heard good things uh, Mm -hmm. from a number of the priests coming out. Now he's going to speak to to all the folks that are on the front lines.
4: Yes, and um, his his keynote talk, the title is "Restore the Initiative to God." So that really kind of fits with our conversation this morning. (laughs) Yeah, Um, restore the initiative to God. Like we're not in charge. God is ask the Lord what the plan is and then go do it, you know, like give it, give it back to God. Um, and then he and Mary Gilfoyle will do a breakout session for us. And theirs is going to be entitled, it's not enough to be a staff. So this is for our, really our parish leaders. Like it's not enough to just be a staff. We have to be more. Um, and they're going to talk about what that looks like. And um, yeah, here, I'll, I'll give you a couple of the other breakouts. So we all, we're going to have an all Spanish breakout. So father, Arroyo, who's our vicar for Hispanic Ministries, he'll be doing a breakout of evangelization in the Hispanic community. And his will be completely in Spanish. So
0: Well, good, because I've mm-hmm. been doing Duolingo.
4: Perfect. <laughs> so you can you can go and, and check that one out. Um, Tim Glonkowski from the Eucharistic Revival, he'll do a breakout of Eucharistic Revival and Parish Renewal. So that that'll be kind of his thing. Um, we've got, let's see, Kathy johani is coming she does a lot with catechesis of the good shepherd in our diocese and she's actually going to set up an atrium um so over in the student center there's like a little fireplace area and she's going to set up like a real atrium where people can come in and hands-on and like see and touch and feel like what the children experience when um they're going to their catechesis of the good shepherd so excited to see that kind of in action um we're going to have um Father Tim Donovan is going to do a presentation on family catechesis and the catechumenal model. Um, that's big is in he our from parishes. California? He's coming in from California, yes. He was
0: here last year. I really enjoyed his breakout session last year. Yeah. yeah.
4: So he'll be back, kind of building on that. Um, Jason Spolstra, who's our new associate director of marriage and family life for the diocese, he is going to be talking about all of the... Um, renewal of marriage preparation and what that looks like—that's um, that's one of our one of our big initiatives um, for the coming year—is is just really strengthening our families, but from the point of you know, marriage, family life, like our couples as they're beginning, you know, before they even have children, um, and then our children, marriage prep begins at a young age. Um, you know the new documents from the Vatican. It's like it's remote preparation. It's all through. So so it's really a bringing together of all of these things. And I don't want to spoil all the details of 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 all of that. So you have to come and hear more. But um,
0: what most excites you about the day?
4: Oh, the whole thing. I mean, it's just so wonderful to see all of our parish leaders and so many priests will be with us and deacons um, and some of our religious sisters and then the staff from the parish and the key volunteers from the parish. And then also just the people who are just excited to know more about evangelization. Like, like maybe you're kind of on the fringes and you're like, yeah, what is evangelization? I I want to help. I want to be part of the mission. I don't really understand what it is or what I'm supposed to do. This is a great event to come to. And we're covering so many different aspects of evangelization and parish ministry. And you can kind of like find your niche of, you know, the Lord, is like maybe calling me here. Let me go listen to this talk, and then let me go see how I can use that either, you know, at the parish level or in my work environment or or whatever. So,
0: no, obviously I'm not on parish staff, but I really enjoyed the lunch last year. I was able to <laughs> to sit at Saint Cecilia's table mm-hmm. with uh, Father Ventura, Father Keller, and and some of their leadership, yeah, and, and just eavesdrop hang out listen to their conversation they were so engaged mm-hmm. and really thankful to have that time kind of almost a, you know the retreat experience at the summit but then immediately be able to share it around a table with each other and they came up with some great ideas and ways very practical ways to move forward and and they have Father Keller and Father Ventura right there blessing their ideas.
4: Yeah, that that's where it works the best is when the pastor and staff kind of come and attend together and then they go to separate breakout sessions and then they come back and they're like I learned this and I learned this and this really fits with our, you know, parish mission and model and everything that we're working towards. Um yeah, I know a couple parishes, I think St. John Newman like they took their whole staff out to dinner afterwards to kind of debrief it. Um, so it, it's, it's exciting to hear, you know, cause you put effort into planning something and then like you hope people will do something good with it and then you, you can hear it and see it. And when we go visit parishes, we see it being lived out. So, um,
0: so yeah. we're opening reservations now to everyone, just not parish staff. Yes. Staffs.
4: Anyone who wants to come.
0: Well, why, why would somebody that's not a part of a parish staff, want to participate rather than just consume and hear these talks what what would you expect that they can take away from the day
4: well i think you know by our baptism we are all called to be missionary disciples so whether you work at a parish or you work in your home or you work out in the community you have to live that out so this is the type of day that will equip you to live that out
0: And there's about 100 seats available? We have about
4: 100 spaces left, yes. We do have to cap it off. Um, But, uh, yeah, so if you're interested in joining us or if any of these speakers sound good to you, check out dioceseofcolumbus.org
1: slash summit.
0: Awesome. Amanda, what do you have on tap for the rest of your day?
1: Yeah, so today we'll have a day full of talks and um, just getting some better insight on uh, how to really, you know, do, do the job of evangelization in radio. So there's also a blessed Carlos Acuți's Eucharistic Miracle Display. So I'm hoping to check that out at some point. Yeah. So, and we'll have a keynote and, you know, time for lunch together. And it, those moments have been really special to really connect with others, um, just to hear this inspiring stories of how they've all got started and how they're continuing. So yeah, it should be a really good day.
0: This is kind of our version of the evangelization summit. It's an opportunity for all the uh, uh, radio affiliates to come together, typically done once a year. And it is such a blessed event to be able to hear these other stories and the sacrificial steps that so many people have taken to bring radio evangelization uh, into their communities just like St. Gabriel has been blessed by this community um, supported loved by uh, the Catholic community here in Columbus Uh, we're able to share your stories with other people around uh, the country and inspire them and encourage them that yeah this does work and we have so many stories of conversion and people walking more closely with the Lord, friends, because of your generosity and and your support all these years. So thank you very much for being a part of this ministry. So we'll be back tomorrow morning with Lisa Iglesias and Mary Beth Eberhardt. Uh, looking forward uh, to one more day this week in the cafe. So Amanda, can you close us with a prayer?
1: Yeah. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mm. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. The way that you are constantly pursuing us. Help us to also pursue you, to love you, to have that conversion of heart every day, to know you more, and to love you more, and to share that with our friends. We give all glory to you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit
0: as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. God bless you, friends. We'll see you tomorrow morning.